Welcome to another edition of TSC Music's Music with a Mission, where our purpose is to perpetuate and promote the Christian and positive idea through the medium of music and other arts. We're so glad that you've joined us again as we continue the recap of our 2012 TSC Music Ministries workshop. This is the third installment. First, we heard from our associate pastor, Pastor William Carroll, and then we heard from Sam Centron, the worship and arts pastor at the Hope Center Tabernacle in Jersey City. Pastor Sam comes from good leadership in Jersey City at the Hope Center Tabernacle, and we were delighted to have Pastor Lee Gonzalez with us, who is the associate pastor at Hope Center. So stay with us as we go to this third installment of the TSC Music Ministries 2012 Music Ministry Workshop. I want you guys to know that you have a very important responsibility as artists and as worshipers. What we do, um, we are in a modern-day Babylon We take what we do very seriously. It took a long time for us to get to the point where we are able to present in in this kind of way. Years ago when we first uh, walked into our church, my husband and I, who is actually now halfway through law school, he's a pastor, and he already has another degree, but he felt from the Lord to go back to law school. He's halfway through in the defense of the church because that is where we are heading, people. That that is exactly where, where we are heading, and that's where we already are. Um, so we pastored in Harlem, and we ended up uh, in Jersey City. And when we first walked into the doors at the church in Jersey City 17 years ago, we had a guy on, our, on accordion. We had a man who was clearly homosexual playing piano. Um, and we had random worship leaders. And this was the state of the worship in the church when we came in to take the church over. Obviously, that's not pleasing to God in any way, shape, or form. And we went from there to this. But this comes with a lot of cost, this comes with a lot of work, this comes with a lot of dedication, spiritually more than anything else, being the most important thing. So um, we have to get ourselves in a place, and I know that there are a lot of things out there in the world. We look, for example, um, at people like Lady Gaga and what she does. And there's a lot of admiration that goes amongst the Christian community. I heard this great concert by this secular guy, and I, 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 Lady Gaga is so artistic, and this person and that person is so great. And what comes out of our mouth constantly is accolades for people that don't even serve God. They don't even serve God. Where are words that come from us that champion Christians that are doing a great work within the arts? Where do we make room for that? And you know what? If it doesn't exist, then what we should be doing is working to the place where it does exist where we do have that. Because our God is a creative God. We do not need to go to the world for those things. We need to be producing those things from amongst ourselves, and we should not be celebrating the things that we are seeing outside in the world. Our words need to change. What needs to come out of our mouth, it can't be blessing and cursing, and really, those things are just curses in the sight of the Lord. They really are. Um, We need to be focused on the things of God. Um, I am a president of Hope Center Arts, which is an art center that we have that's tied to our church, And we do about 38 events a year, and you're probably seeing photos in the background. 38 events a year. And we decided a long time ago that what we would do at our church is we would only feature Christian artists, nothing else. Christian singers, dancers, musicians, uh, art exhibitions, artists, fine artists, and we would do nothing else. Because out in the world, they do a lot of championing of their own, right? Yes. We do not. So we made a conscious decision to only have that. Um, and, and that is what we focus on within the church. So 
um, as we were involved and we had all of these different things at play um, when we first walked into the church, we said, well, we have dancers and, and we have singers and, and, and we have artists. Well, what do we do with these people? Is this even biblical? And I was tormented for a long period of time because naturally I'm involved artistically. I write and I play piano and, and I have this burden to do it. And, you know, artists like to produce and like to create. God put it in us to do it. But the question was, was it even biblical? And a lot of people have laid aside their gifts saying before the Lord, well, God, this is not of you. And as much as I love to do this, then I'm just going to have to lay it to the side because there's no place in the house of God for this. So you struggle. You struggle and you say, well, God, how does it fit in? So I was going before the Lord, trying to figure it out, and the Lord laid the book of Ezekiel on my heart. And all of us know, it's not a very readable book sometimes. It's a strange book, the book of Ezekiel, all the weird creatures and the weird things. And, and honestly, as much as I love the Lord, it had never really come alive to me until that moment in time. All of a sudden, it came alive to me. And the Lord told me, read this book. I'm going to speak to you through this book. So I'm going to read from this particular passage of scripture, which is Ezekiel chapter 4, if you can turn with me there. And we all know that Ezekiel was a prophet, and he was one of many prophets during the Babylonian captivity. Israel was taken away, and he was taken away during one of the waves. There were three waves of... of, uh, of God's people being taken away. Daniel was taken away. This is the same, same period of time. So God is, is speaking to his people here. Ezekiel 4, starting at verse 1. And you, son of man, take a brick and lay it before you and engrave on it a city, Jerusalem, and put siege works against it. And build a siege wall against it and cast up a mound against it. Set camps also against it and plant battering rams against it all around. And you take an iron griddle and place it as an iron wall between you and the city and set your face towards it and let it be in a state of siege. And press the siege against it. This is a sign for the house of Israel. Then lie on your left side and place the punishment of the house of Israel upon it. For the number of the days that you lie on it, and you shall bear their punishment. For I assign to you a number of days, 390 days, equal to the number of the years of their punishment. So long shall you bear the punishment of the house of Israel. And when you have completed these, you shall lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the punishment of the house of Judah. Forty days I assign you, a day for each year. And you shall set your face towards the siege of Jerusalem, with your arm bared, and you shall prophesy against the city. And behold, I will place cords upon you so that you cannot turn from one side to the other till you have completed the days of your siege. And you take wheat and barley, beans and lentils, millet and emmer, and put them into a single vessel and make your bread from them. During the number of days that you lie on your side, 390, you will eat it. And your food that you eat shall be by weight. And from day to day you shall eat it. And water you shall drink by measure, the sixth part of a hen. From day to day you shall drink, and you shall eat it as a barley cake, baking in their sight on human dung. Now, this was what's commonly called an enactment prophecy. But I don't know if you see here that there is a sculpture that's being built. I don't know if you see here that there's performance art that's happening. I don't know if you notice that there's acting that's happening. Ezekiel also sang songs. Jeremiah put a yoke around his neck. Isaiah ran naked through the city. Please don't anybody do that, you know? <laughs> let's, not, let's not do that. But 
There's different things that the prophets did, but look at this. This is all the arts, is it not? The Lord uses this powerfully to speak, to speak to his people and to speak to his people a prophetic word at a time in dire need. We're in a modern-day Babylon right now, and I think that the only thing that's going to cut through all of the stuff that's out there is if we do things that are extreme or very visible to this point. Now, I want to explain something, because I'm not big on two words, and that's um, relevance and seeker sensitivity. There are two words that I know people sometimes get mad at me when I said this, say this, but I really don't like them at all. And often it's an excuse to be liberal. When really, when we look at the word of God, every word that's in there, God designed for it to be used the way he wrote it, not so that we can reinterpret it. It's absolutely not necessary. And people will also say, well, the word is the same and the methods are different. Well, I would venture to say to you, no, they're really not, because when we're looking at these prophets, they are using the arts. They're doing what's been done over time, it's a way that God uses to reach people's hearts. Even when you look at the Colosseum in Corinth, the reason why that place was built was so that the masses could be subdued. And it wasn't just gladiators and killing Christians that was going on in there. There were comedians in there. In there. I don't know if you know that. And there were animal shows and different things. And this was a way of just calming or just subduing the populace. So this is what the world does. And this is what... God uses to reach the heart of his people because he made us. This is the way he made us. And the devil knows that. He knows. So he will reach our hearts the same way with his agenda, with his evil message. The question is, what are we going to do about it as artistic people? What are we going to do about it as worshipers? We have a responsibility to do something. So what do we stand up to do? There's extreme, extreme measures. We need to recognize that the arts are not just entertainment. They're not. Almost everything out there has an agenda. And it used to be hidden agendas, but it's not anymore. It's very, very clear. One of the things we tell people, they come up to us and they say, well, unsafe people and sometimes safe people. Maybe they're not saved. I don't know. They come up to us and they say, well, what's your agenda? As though I'm going to say, well, we really don't have an agenda. Our answer always is, yes, we have an agenda, and it's, pro it's to promote the gospel. It is to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they are not hiding their agenda. When you go to a, or, or, or see video of a Lady Gaga concert, there's nothing being hidden there. There's nothing being hidden there. They will proudly tell you what it is that they stand for, and we need to be as clear or more clear about what we stand for. And we need to dedicate our gifts to it. Now, I totally get the fact that artists are passionate people. And if you tell me you're not, you're a bunch of liars, right? Because <laughs> I am, and I know that the rest of you guys are. Um, and that's how we function. we got to create, and we love hanging out together and, and, and doing stuff and singing and uh, making art and writing plays and doing all those things. You don't have to twist our arm to get us to do it. And one of the things that we always say at our church is that we really don't, when we go to conferences, and that's why I love this conference here today, when you go to a conference, you don't have to do a lot of clinics because you guys are going to do what you do anyway. You really are. How we can best serve you is teaching you how to love the Lord more. Amen? How to use your giftings to honor God. That's how we can best serve you. Now, if we get you doing that, then forget it. It's going to be powerful. So that's really what needs to be happening. So artists are passionate people. The problem that a lot of artists 
have is that often passion will become lust. Or lust is confused for passion. Now, passion's not a bad word because Jesus had a lot of passion. We use that word uh, for Passion Week, which is really a hybrid of two things, which talks about the suffering of Christ, but he did it with extreme emotion. And believe it or not, how we use the word passion comes from that. So Jesus had a lot of passion. Jesus was a passionate guy. He would walk into, remember when he was turning over the tables? There's a lot of passion involved in that. He's not the wimpy savior that we see on some of the paintings that were done by the secular world, right? He's not a wimpy. He was a carpenter. He was a man of passion. When he walked in a room, you knew it. You knew it because he loved people. You knew it because he was passionate. You knew it because it was clear that he believed what he believed and his zeal for his father's house consumed him. Amen? And he's our example. And we need to have that same kind of passion. Um, Passion is, if you look at it defined, is a powerful, compelling, and barely controllable emotion. But I love that. And I love that about worshipers. I enjoy that. And God made us that way. Because you know what? When you, put, when you have this display of emotion to our God, other people will see it. The Bible says they will see it in fear and put their trust in the Lord. You put a new song in my heart, a gift of praise into my God. Right? Many will see it and fear. It's like, what do you have that I don't have? So that passion is a good thing. It's an awesome thing because there's a lot of passion out there in the world and they need to see the same thing from us. What's going to provoke them to jealousy? What's going to make them want what we have? It's going to be the passion that we have for God and for following after the things of God. So we confuse passion with lust. Lust, on the other hand, is an overwhelming, illicit, self-absorbed, say self-absorbed, desire for an object, person, or experience. Now, here's where we get into situations with artistic people because we love experiences. We do. We love to experience. We love to experience new things. We love to go to new places so we can experience, so we can paint, or so we can write a new song. Again, that's not a bad thing, but if the reason is for self-absorbed reasons, if the reasons are all about us, that's where we will end up missing it because our passion needs to be for Christ and for the things of Christ. Lust is a form of worship, and it's illicit worship. Lust is also idolatry, because we chase after the idols of our own heart instead of chasing after the things that God wants us to chase after. And we can do that because we want recognition. We want fame. We want somebody to hear our songs. We want somebody, like Pastor William said, to to pat us on the back. We want an audience. We want, we want, we want, we want. Like the devil said, I will be exalted. I will this. I will that. It's not about us. It is about God. So we need to have passion focused on God. We need to not be filled with lust. And let me tell you, because I counsel a lot of artists at our church, there's a lot of lust going on in there because we're driven. And there can be a transference from passion into lust very easily if we are not careful. We're going to read a a verse that I'm sure many of you are familiar with in James chapter 1. Let no one say, when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. 
So if we are not careful, we will end up heading from our passion for something into this place of, place of lust that will be damaging because ultimately it's going to be our death. It's so tied in with pride. And we know pride is destruction. It's destruction. It's destruction. And we're prone to it. There's often you've heard preached, I'm sure, that Lucifer was probably, and I say probably because we don't know that definitively in Scripture, the chief worshiper in heaven. So we can kind of see some of that in us and are being prone to that and given to it. Why? Because worshipers are given a platform. They're given a platform. um, You're celebrated. Often we treat people within church the way people are treated outside in the world. Wow. A lot of information from Pastor Lee in this first segment. One of the things we try to stress here at TSC Music and in Times Square Church in particular is that different is not wrong. Churches do things differently. Churches have different approaches in perpetuating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even in the arts, there's so many different ways in which you can use the arts and music to perpetuate the purposes of the gospel of Christ and advance the mission of the church. And that's what we're hearing from Pastor Lee, and it is sound. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Pastor Lee. God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. God is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is a provider. God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio. Where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. In Psalm 142 in the Old Testament, the psalmist David, king of Israel, had a cry at one time in his heart. He talks about bringing this cry unto God. He said, I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him my trouble. He felt overwhelmed. He felt that the way he was walking in, he had no strength. He looked to his right hand and no one was there to help him. Any kind of refuge he pursued seemed to fail him. He said, I cried unto the Lord and I said, you are my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Help me, for I am brought low. Deliver me, for the things against me are stronger than I am. Then at the end of this psalm, he says something incredible. He says, the righteous will compass me about, for you will deal bountifully with me. In other words, oh God, you're going to help me. And people around me are going to see it and know that you are God. It's time to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. God is Faithful is the title of a new book from the personal writings of Pastor David Wilkerson. This volume offers 365 deeply insightful, deeply inspiring reflections that reveal the loving heart of the Father. Each day in this year-long devotional journey, you can experience what Brother Dave knew intimately and preached passionately, that God is faithful and He takes great delight in you. To purchase a copy in limited edition hardcover, visit tscnyc.org.
are given a platform they're given a platform um, you're celebrated often we treat people within church the way people are treated outside in the world we treat singers in church the way they're treated outside in the world when the glory and the honor should be going to God one of the things that we do at, at, at our church and everything that I say today I couch it with the following they are what we do um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's how and anything should be done elsewhere because maybe you have comparative measures that kind of work out the same way, right? But for us, one of the things that we do, because we know pride is such a big problem with worshipers, is, for example, with one ministry area, our choir. Um, in order to be part of our choir, you have to come to rehearsals for six months and you're not allowed to sing on the pulpit. You sing during the rehearsal. You come to all the services that the choir comes to. You even wear whatever the prescribed choir clothes, because we don't have robes. So uh, the, whatever colors, whatever they're wearing that day, you wear the same thing, and you sit in the front row, and you get to watch them sing, but you don't get to sing until six months later. Then after the period of six months, you're allowed into the choir, and now, no matter how great a singer you are, you are going to sing as part of the core, and you're not going to be given an opportunity to lead until we feel that you are ready to do so. And then when a person leads, commonly they're given an opportunity to lead, and then we pull back and see, are they taking ownership? Well, how come I'm not leading again? You know, How are they responding to that? And we work through all of this to try to work out pride. Now, does that mean that we don't have prideful people? Yeah, we have prideful people. We still do with all of that. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. But 
What we're trying to do is we're trying to create a team mentality because it is in unity that there is power. In the upper room, there was unity and the power of God fell. So unity is the most important thing, amen, other than where our lives are at, which is another thing, before we get up on that pulpit to minister. Because here's the thing. There was a requirement. When we look at the Old Testament, um, uh, in Chronicles, uh, David went with the captains of his army to choose the worshipers. Those that were prophesying, it goes on to explain. Now, David went with the captains of his armies. So there's clearly an indication there that not only are these worshipers worshipers, but they're warriors. You're getting on that pulpit to do warfare. It was a priestly function. So just because you're the guitarist in the band does not mean that you were off somewhere else playing songs you shouldn't play and then up on Sunday you're singing some songs to glorify the Lord. Because whatever you expect from your Bible teacher, you should expect from yourself as a worshiper or you should expect from worshipers because they are ministerial functions. It's not just the job. It's really not. So we need to remember that. Where are we? And what are we doing? First um, John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful, boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of, the God, of God lives forever. The one who does the will of God lives forever. So we have to be focused not on our lusts, amen, but on God's passions. And God's passions need to become our passions. I want to talk quickly about a story um, in Judges, and it's Samson. Everybody remember the story of Samson and Delilah? Incredible story. The guy... Seems like such a stupid idiot, doesn't he? It's amazing. He seems like an utter idiot. And I would read this passage of scripture and say to myself, what is up with this guy? I just don't get it. Because he's a judge of Israel. How did they pick such a dumb guy to be the judge of Israel? And, you know, there's passages of scripture you read and they tribulate you because you're going, what is going on here with this? It doesn't make any sense. So we know that Delilah would say, okay, well, what's the power of your strength and how can I undo your strength? And he, he did that, right? Um... And he would tell her, so if someone comes and paints my toenail purple, then I will lose all of my power. So then some guy runs in and paints his toenail purple, and they try to tie him up, and he breaks free, right? And then this happens again, and it happens again. And you're saying, it's kind of specific, and they're doing this. Why are you not getting what's going on here, Samson? How dumb can you be? This was my thought, right? So there's a verse in Judges chapter 16, verse 20, that says, And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Here's the mistake we make when we are consumed with lust, when we should be consumed with passion, right? Is that we think when we go and sin, there's all this talk about grace now in a lot of camps. Grace, 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 grace. And it's really making grace garbage at this point. But there's all this talk about grace. And I believe in the grace of God. Don't, don't get me wrong. Okay. But um, we think 
that we can go wherever we want and just, it's okay, I'm going to shake it off. Shake it off. You know, your friends will tell you, you do something wrong, don't worry about it, brother, don't feel condemned. Just shake it off. Just shake it off. That's okay. Yes, God is a forgiving God, but God is also not a fool. And there's expectations for how we should live as Christians. So here's a classic mistake when somebody is consumed with lust is shake it off, and then before you know it, they turn around and they're back in the same place again. And we've got to be careful about those things. No, we cannot do whatever we want to do. We also, in Samson's case, he did things that dishonor God. If you read through the scripture, he did all these things that were just against the law for him that he should have never done. And we do that in that we compartmentalize our lives. One way we all do it globally is that we don't understand that for us as believers, as, as we are going to go on in glory, that this is, for me, going to be year 50, because I'm going to be 50, year 50 of eternity for me. And that's the way that I look at it. This is another year. I don't separate my life here on this earth from my life with the Lord, because that sets you up for dangerous things. What ends up happening is, you know, I'll get to it. There's heaven later. I'll get to that later. Or you have two different lives. Like I said, the musician who gets up on the pulpit and plays the guitarist, playing the songs to honor God on a Sunday morning, right? Meanwhile, you were just in a club playing a gig because that's how you get played, paid, played, paid. That's how you get paid <laughs> and played. You get paid that way and you're up there and you're in the club and you're playing songs about fornication and adultery and drug use and all those different things. And that doesn't honor God. You cannot have blessing and cursing coming out of the same vessel. You can't. God expects different from us. See, signs and wonders following the proclamation of the gospel. You are part of a team of ministers that's up there on that pulpit or behind the scenes doing what you need to do. Because even the guys that are running video, that doesn't mean you can get away with sinning because nobody sees you. So you have to live your lives right. We cannot. He made the, mis- the mistake, not the mistake, because he was. we always call him sin mistakes. So he sinned by thinking he could have these two different, I can do this because I'm Samson. I could do this because I am the worship leader that moves in anointing. I can do this because I have the favor of my pastor. I can do this because I've been here 15 years. I could do this because my pastor is Carter Conlin. Well, none of that is going to get you into heaven and you cannot live because of somebody else's anointing. You have to live under your own. Whatever we get, we get from our teachers and our pastors and our shepherds is to help us live for the Lord. But then God holds us us accountable to carry it through and to actually live it. And especially us, we're given so much and we have so much power in our hands and available to us in our lives as worshipers. We can transform, transform this city. This church alone can transform so much because they're doing what they need to do in teaching you, but you need to be doers of the word and not just hearers. It's not enough just to hear. You must do. You must do. There's a lot of people that pride themselves. Man, I heard a great message, and they can sit down and break it down for you and have the just most unbelievable intellectual conversation with you about passages of Scripture. They know the Bible inside out, but it's not being applied on your life. God really doesn't care for that. He wants to see the application in you. And for those ministers in this room, if you are part of the worship arts group here, you are a minister. Because the Bible says you are. 
So if you're if if you don't expect to see Carter Conlon hanging out in a bar where there's music dishonoring God, then what are you doing there in that place yourself? What are you doing there? Light must be among darkness. Okay, I'm not a fool. Remember, I'm also an artist. I wasn't born yesterday. If you did not get off there from playing powerful music and begin to talk to people about Jesus while you're sitting there, then you're not fooling me. You're not a light amongst darkness. You're just getting paid, okay? So let's be honest about what we are doing. Let's be honest because the Holy Spirit's not fooled. I tell kids in our church sometimes when they come to church and they're dressed inappropriately, I'll say, hey, did you look in a mirror this morning? <laughs> did you look in the mirror this morning? And, and they'll go, yeah. And I say, well, what did the Holy Spirit tell you? What did the Holy Spirit tell you? And, and they think about it and they realize, well, you know, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be dressed like this. And I said, well, next time, listen to the Holy Spirit. But you know what? It's like that for us too. When we're, in, when we're doing things we shouldn't do as worshipers, sure enough, if you love God, the Holy Spirit told you. You're just ignoring his voice. In Samson's case, we go places. He went places he shouldn't go. And we go places we shouldn't go. He went and had Delilah and then uh, the woman from Timnah. But in order to do that, he had to go to the Philistine camp to make that happen. So sometimes the children of God have no business being in certain places. We just don't. Now understand, this is not legalism. This is Bible. This is the word of God. And we have a filter called the spirit of God. Here's the problem, though, with that, is that we can become desensitized because we live in this modern-day Babylon and we go about day to day to day to day and we sit in front of the TV, which is our indoctrinator, and we get all the stuff that we need to get, you know, and before you know it, we have trouble hearing his voice. We have a great, great responsibility to do right. Now, here is where it finally made sense that Samson was not a complete and total idiot, even though in some ways he was, because I can never figure out. The problem with Samson was that Samson felt he was invincible. God shows his grace so many times, and of course we're so fabulous and incredible, that whatever rules God laid out originally probably don't apply anymore. We're out there in the culture. We're in the marketplace. I can give you all the secret sensitive words. We're out there doing marketplace ministry and we're in the culture and we're doing this and we're doing the other. Does not give us a license to sin. Does not give us a license to be in dark places where our testimony is uh, uh, called into question. Does not give us license to be in a place that's going to make us weak. You know the things that you... I love certain things artistically that if I'm not careful... Your heart seeks to look for it. And because the Christian world is so far behind, you'll dwell in things or see movies you shouldn't see or, or listen to music that you shouldn't listen to because you're, you're wanting to feed yourself. And I understand that feeling. However, here's the tough spot. You know, if you need to make a living, for example, and you're a bartender and you get saved, guess what? You shouldn't be selling liquor to people anymore. If... If you worked in a strip bar and now you're saved, guess what? You shouldn't work there anymore. What a direct and clear response to those who would try to minimize the spiritual requirement for those of us who serve in music ministry. We'll be right back after this short break with more from Pastor Lee as she concludes this session. Greetings, salutations, saludos, and young haseo, TSC music podcasters. 
Did you know a child cry, a ministry of Times Square Church, is dishing out over 23,000 meals every week? With your prayers and support, we'll continue reaching out to feed the kids that we can so that they might be given the opportunity to lead an active and healthy lifestyle. I personally believe that now, more than ever, there's an awareness amongst this generation that there are people experiencing tremendous hardship and difficulties. And in response, folks from all walks of life are getting together in massive numbers and advocating for solutions. At Child Cry, it is our objective to be a transparent, ethical charity by developing long-lasting relationships with all of our local feeding program administers. I'd encourage you to hit us up online at childcrynyc.org to check out the work and see what you can do to help. We've got some exciting new updates launching this fall and hope that you'll join us. Child Cry. Child Cry. We feed hungry kids. Hungry kids. It's one of the most powerful weapons that Satan has against you. Once he has gotten you with fear, then he will take your faith. Because fear is actually the opposite of faith. The Lord said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now fear is when we look at the size of the opposition that we have to encounter and dismay comes when we look inside and don't see enough strength to fight the battle. God's word was don't let fear or dismay get a hold of you because it's not about you. It's about Christ in us. That's the good news. Paul says to Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Fear When that simple word gets into your heart, that's where the sound mind comes from. Fear not. I don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Face your fears and overcome them by the power of God. Face them now. It's very hard to get right with God in a season of panic. There are going to be many things in the future that are going to cause fear. And some things are causing fear today. But for the child of God, God says to you, fear not. That's where your sound mind will come from. Fear not. I know what fear can do. I was paralyzed by it for over nine years. But I know when I came to Christ and made a choice of going all the way with Him and walking with Him, there's no fear in my heart. If you will make that choice, you'll be astounded at the power of God that is available for you. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's what comes from God. And it only comes from God. It only comes from Pastor Carter Conlon's new book, Fear Not, Living Courageously in Uncertain Times, is now available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon.com, and wherever Christian books are sold. The Adult and Youth Praise Choirs are just two of the many ministries that make up TSC Music. We're also looking for volunteers in other areas of music ministry. Are you a musician, an actor, or singer? A video editor or an audio engineer? Perhaps you're great at learning song lyrics and quick on the computer, then Projection Ministry could be the place for you. Or maybe you enjoy meeting new people and talking with them about music. Then you'd fit right in with our sales team. If you're a music lover looking to find your place to serve, we invite you to apply online. Visit the website tscnyc.org and click on Get Involved.
why do we engage in certain things in the name of arts, in the name of music, in the name of... It's not any different to God. It's a gift. But it needs to be consecrated unto him. It needs to be separated unto him. So if we want to see a radical change and a radical transformation in our city, especially a church like this one, here's the amazing thing. If everybody of all the artists said we are going to live for God the way we have never lived before, we're going to forsake certain things that we have not forsaken up until now. The Holy Spirit would fall on the things that you do individually in an amazingly powerful way. You are set in this city in the middle of Broadway. I mean, it's just crazy. And we love coming in here because you guys have toys to the end, you know, things we can't even imagine having. Because our church is like about, it's between six and 700 people total. Um, and we've got 70 or 80 people on the arts team, which you saw for, the, for the, the concert. And we love what we do. But, you know, we take a beating from God sometimes about the things that we have to change. So even as I stand up here, there's got to be constant daily adjustment in the presence of God. You know, you're accountable to him for the things that you need to do. So Samson's problem was that he thought he was invincible. He thought he was so special that God was not going to cast judgment on that anymore. It wasn't that he was stupid. Because hindsight, after we have a great fall, personally, we look back and we say, wow, you can see everywhere you missed it, right? Every single place you missed it, you see it. See, you're like blinded by the devil, which is what he's great at doing. Um, So God wants us to be zealous Passion needs to be expressed as zeal. Actually, righteous passion needs to be expressed as zeal. And God was a passionate person. And there's one verse that I really, really love that I want to read from Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59, verse 17 says, He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. It's a beautiful description of God. And this is what he expects us to be. He expects us to be consumed with zeal for our Father's house, for the things of God. To, if we got to forsake something, we forsake it, but it's all or nothing. And I think God really designed this Christian walk as an all or nothing sort of deal. You know, he wants your whole heart, and then he meets out back to you different things. Okay, now you can do this. Now you can rest. Now I'll bless you with this. Even though you don't need it, I will bless you. You can have it. But you have to lose your life, the Bible says, doesn't it? So you give it to him completely, completely. And then he gives back to you what he feels you should have. The Bible says we need to be living sacrifices, that it's our reasonable act of worship. Living sacrifices. Living sacrifices is a crazy thing when you think about it. You know, you got to crawl up on that altar and then tomorrow you got to crawl up on that altar again it starts all over again it's on a daily basis God requires of us but there is so much power Um, it's a lot that God has given we take it for granted we play with our toys we enjoy everything that we do but it was given to us for a purpose and every gift of God is given for a purpose and the purpose is to glorify him And the purpose is to redeem, uh, to see people, the ransomed, come in that they may be redeemed by the Lord. There's a purpose for every single thing that you do. So, yes, do you have to work? Yes. Make your choices properly. Yes, do you have to feed yourself and play? You can do that too. But make your choices, again, properly. 
do the right things when it comes to these. You'll know because the Holy Spirit will speak to you about it. Assuming your filter is not clogged with all the indoctrination, you'll be able to hear from God exactly what it is that he wants you to do and how he expects for you to do it. My favorite verse in the Bible is Matthew eleven twelve, and it says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and, the vi- and violent men take it by force. It's like that. God's kingdom has to forcefully advance, and the people that go with him got to have that same forceful sort of attitude. You can be part of change. You can be part of revolution. You can be part of reformation if you're willing to pay the price, or you could just be a participator. But that therein we make a choice as worshipers. Are we going to be on the front line? And I'll end with this one. You look at a battle, right? Everybody's seen movies with battles. Who's the guys up in the front, the poor guys that they put up in the front? Anybody seen that? It's these guys playing bagpipes, drums, trumpets. They're up in the front. They're up in the front. It disarms and confuses the enemy when people send up worship to the Lord. We're the ones up in the front. But we got to choose. See, if you're up in the front, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to get shot first. First. So knowing that, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to be involved? Do you want to be hanging out with your trumpet on the back row? Where do you want to be? Do you want to see the glory of the battle, the glory of the Lord? See, because our God, he doesn't, when we're going with him, he doesn't lose. He never loses. It's a sure deal, sure bet. Yes, you might get hit with a bullet along the way. There may be things that will happen. But if you're going with God and you're in his will and you're obedient to his voice with the gifts that you have, you will be amazed at the things that he will do and that he will do through you. Amen? Amen. Okay. What a thought-provoking session and a wonderful reminder for those of us who serve in music and arts ministries. Thank you, Pastor Lee. To our listeners, you can find more about Pastor Lee and Hope Arts Tabernacle and Hope Arts Center in Jersey City by going online to their website. You can also find previous podcasts with Pastor Lee at tscnyc.org slash music. Take joy, my King, in what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. We also hope you'll join the conversation online, because music with a mission doesn't end here. So check out TSC Music on Facebook to share your thoughts and get regular updates. Follow us on Twitter at TSC Music Tweet, and don't forget to use the hashtag MWMPodcast. Watch and share videos on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash TV. And of course, you can always email us at music at timescorechurch.org or visit the website tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Bond and Jungbin Kim, and I'm the project manager, Jesse Carrasco. Coming up next week, we'll conclude our TSC Music Ministry Workshop Series with Dave Edwards' session on The Heart of Worship. If ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Greg Thomas. Join us again next time on TSC Music's Music with a Mission.